Hey, everyone. This is Chris Ryan from The Ringer. As many of you have heard by now, we lost a treasured colleague and friend over the weekend. Jonathan Charks passed away on Saturday. John was 34. He leaves behind a wife and a son, and we are obviously mourning his loss and sending all of our love to his family right now. If you go to theringer.com slash Jonathan Charks, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-T-J-A-R-K-S, you will find a memorial page for John, which has links to his GoFundMe that benefits his family. And the It's Off the Pike, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in president select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Welcome into Off the Pike. I'm Brian Barrett after a rough one for the Patriots in the season opener, to say the least, as they go down to the Miami Dolphins 20 to 7. Feels all too familiar. The Patriots lose another game in Miami, which they always seem to do. They go there early. None of that crap works for the Patriots. They're now 0-1 for the second consecutive season. And things got even worse after the game as Mac Jones was banged up. Now, Jones did not address the media after the game, and he ended up getting x-rays. The good news is Tom Palacero from the NFL Network is reporting that those x-rays were negative, but Mac Jones is going to be further evaluated when he gets back to Foxborough. So we'll know in the coming days how severe the injury is to Mac. But one of the last things you want to hear after a brutal loss for the Patriots, that now the quarterback is banged up after the first game of the season. And from some of the reporters that were down there, Mac looked to be in some real pain after the game. So obviously not good news going forward for the Patriots. And we'll find out if this is going to be something that we got to monitor for the coming weeks. And we'll figure out what his status is going to be Heading into week two, because clearly they're going to need a better performance from the offense in general. Mac was not particularly great in this game, but the bigger concern is his health going forward. We'll chat with Kyrie Thompson from WEI and WEI.com to recap this one in just a little bit. But no sugarcoat in this one. All in all, just a horrible afternoon for the Patriots, especially what we said about Mac Jones, the health of him going forward. That absolutely sucks. But it was an ugly performance all around. And the two biggest takeaways from my perspective. A lot of the issues were self-induced. And number two, a bunch of the issues we thought the Patriots would have entering the season, they showed up today. And we'll get into a bunch of the play calling stuff and some decisions by Belichick with Kyrie Thompson. But I do want to get into just some of the bigger, broader things from this game. So first drive of the game, 
the Patriots are going down the field with ease. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, maybe they're onto something with Patricia and Joe Judge. I mean, slightly hyperbolic, but you get my point. And then you have that interception in the end zone. And man, a couple of things on that. So the first one, like we would all see that that was interference. Clearly, Devontae Parker was held by Howard right on the shoulder there. So clearly it was interference because at first when you saw it, you're like, holy crap, what the fuck was Parker doing? Why was there a no effort to go after the ball? But clearly you could see that he was held there. So the Patriots, that's a bad break that they got. But the other portion of the equation is the quarterback, right? Like I said, I know that it was interference, but you have to acknowledge that was a poorly placed ball from the quarterback, Mac Jones. You have to throw that out in front of Devontae Parker. You gave it way too much of an opportunity for Howard to break it up. There's just not enough on that ball from Mac Jones. So yes, clearly that was pass interference, but in the NFL, you're going to see missed calls all the time, especially with that call. Now, that was somewhat egregious, but Mac Jones has got to make a better throw when it comes to that. But one thing that also stuck out like a sore thumb today is your offensive line. Remember, this is a conversation that we've been having all offseason. There's issues with the offensive line, right? The second drive of the game in this one, Ogbo with the sack where nobody picked him up. There was a miscommunication by the rookie Cole Strange and Trent Brown. And then, of course, basically that renders your drive ineffective to the point where you have to punt. And basically, we're finding out that that was clearly on Cole Strange because he was then benched the following drive. James Ferentz comes in and guess what happens on the third drive of the game? So you, you have the first drive of the game. Think about this. This this is how bad the afternoon was for the Patriots. First drive, you get screwed by the officials and Mac Jones doesn't put enough on that ball. Second drive, you have your drive completely fall apart because of the offensive line. And the same thing happened on the third drive, but it got even worse. You thought it couldn't get worse. It did, right? So you end up in a situation on second down where Mac is blitzed by Brandon Jones on the blind side. Nobody picks him up. Now, you have to give them credit. It was a well-designed blitz by the Miami Dolphins, but that ends up at a touchdown for Melvin Ingram after the strip sack. It makes it a 10 to nothing game. So it was a domino effect for the Patriots. Bad play where you get screwed by the officials. Then your offensive line is bad where you have to punt the ball away. And then on the third drive, your offensive line, it really hurts you to the point where you're in a situation where you give up seven points, and this is an offense that we all know cannot play from behind. The other thing, the Patriots are spending the most money in the NFL on receivers and tight ends, and you still have no fucking idea who Mac is going to in critical situations. And this is not to defend the quarterback in totality and say Mac was unbelievable, but Mac Jones doesn't have a bailout guy. He doesn't have a number one option. And you just look at the Dolphins. Look at what Tyree Kill meant for Tua today. You think about the 23-yard pickup he had in the first drive of the game. And then Tyree Kill bailed out Tua from an interception. Jack Jones should have intercepted that ball. And you have an unbelievable play from Tyree Kill. This is what superstar players do. They make big-time plays. And then for the whole game, basically, you have to figure out what you're doing with Tyree Kill because he was making big plays. Later on in the game, he has that huge pickup on 18 yards or 418 yards, rather, on the fifth drive of the game to pick up a first down for them when they really needed it, right? So, and by the way, that interception that could have happened for Jack Jones because Tyreek Hill makes that play, well, that ends up leading to their touchdown at the end of the half to give them a 17 to nothing lead. So right then and there, that's a situation where the Patriots need to make that play, but secondarily, a superstar makes a play for the other team. The Patriots don't have that right now. You look at it in terms of the numbers in this game. Myers, six targets, 55 yards. Okay, Myers was good in this game. I'm not saying he wasn't, 
But Tyreek Hill, because he's a great player, was targeted 12 times. He had eight receptions for 94 yards. Tyreek Hill was outstanding in this game. And I would even argue he could have had a better game if his quarterback didn't suck because two is not a good quarterback, bottom line. But anyway, it just looks like for a young quarterback, you need to have that guy that's consistently winning. And the Patriots just don't have that player right now. And it just, it's so aggravating right now because here's the reality. Kendrick Bourne is way more likely to emerge as the number one weapon on the Patriots than anybody else. He gets the one target today, 41 yards, huge play at the end of the game. And then of course, Aguilar fumbles, but he's not out there because he had a bad training camp. Nobody knows what exactly happened in training camp in terms of the details, but he wasn't out there. After the game, Bill Belichick asked, was there a reason Kendrick Bourne didn't play until the fourth quarter? No, it just worked out that way. That's what Bill said. Do you wish Bourne played more? Quote, we did what we thought was best. Okay, this shit worked with Tom because when Tom was here, he could win with pretty much anybody, right? Not anymore. And Kendrick Bourne finished the season so strongly last year. He's one of the only guys that showed up to the playoff game. Just fucking play Kendrick Bourne. He's one of your best players, right? Bourne after the game was asked about if this is frustrating to him. He said, or he was asked essentially why he wasn't playing. Was it explained to him? He said, not sure, just playing my role, just waiting for the moment. It's tough, just keeping my mind in it. He goes on to say, not giving the coaches what they needed to see, I guess, talking about training camp, just need to get better on my part. This is what I know. I watched the game today. Kendrick Bourne should be playing most of the downs for the Patriots offensively. He's a legitimate, dangerous weapon. We saw it at the end of last year. Enough of this crap where he's in the doghouse. What we saw today is they need big-time playmakers. Kendrick Bourne is the closest thing this team has to a big-time playmaker. So I don't care anymore what happened or what happened in training camp, what the details are. I just want to see Kendrick Bourne on the football field because he's at least somewhat of a guy that does things after the catch. I mean, you look at it last year. We've given you the numbers. Seventh in the NFL in yak per reception. Fifth in terms of rating when he was targeted. This is a guy that is legitimate bailout guy, or at least he has the potential to be a bailout guy for Mac Jones. Enough of this crap. Belichick has got to go back to the drawing board and say, look at our offense. The quarterback doesn't know who he's going to on critical situations. The only guy that may emerge into that type of player on this team is Kendrick Bourne. It's time to start playing Kendrick Bourne. All right, we're going to chat with Kyrie Thompson from WEI and WEI.com, the first in Foxborough podcast. We chatted with him right after the game, so we didn't get into the details in terms of the injury with Mac and the back situation, but we went through basically everything that transpired in this game. We'll chat with Kyrie next. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Welcome back into Off the Pike. Brian Barrett with you joining us now. Kyrie Thompson from WEI. Kyrie, man, it felt like this game, it got off to a good start. The Patriots are marching down the field, but pretty much after that interception, it was an ugly afternoon for the Patriots. Yep, and ultimately it comes down to execution. You can talk about play calling. You can talk about, oh, Matt Patricia this. They should have run the more the ball more on, you know, first, second down, all that stuff. But in the end, 
It all comes down to execution. The Patriots didn't do a good job of that. And it cost them the game. I mean, yeah, there were a couple of plays there that first drive and at other points throughout the game where you're like, okay, this looks decent. Like this team can move the ball. They can pass. Mac Jones looks all right. He's orchestrating everything. And then poof, there it goes. You, you have two or three bad plays and then you lose. That's how it is. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to pick through with this game, Kyrie. But one thing that really irritates me and really pisses me off, and I know, of course, you saw a lot of it during training camp with some of the issues that Kendrick Bourne had there. But he comes out there for one play and he catches a 41-yard bomb from Mac Jones. And that's really all we saw him in the game. Now, Phil Perry reported on Twitter that he's on the sideline holding up one finger like, oh, one target. But this is going to become the talking point this week is the guy that everybody felt like, hey, he could be the Patriots' best receiver this season was in the doghouse all training camp long. And the one time he's on the field, he makes a major play for a team that they clearly need explosive players. And you had this guy on the bench the entire game. And you know what? If you take away that play, 41 yards, Mac Jones only had 105 passing yards today. That is not acceptable for an NFL offense. You cannot win that way. And so you're, you're looking at this and saying, okay, you know what? Maybe it's... It, it, you know, effort stuff or you know, disciplinary issues, or you just don't think he's been putting in the, the effort and practice or what have you. But in the end, the Patriots were unable to generate expo- explosive plays. People were not getting open. There were tight windows all over the place. There was no separation. Mac Jones is trying to fit balls into windows that he just can't really do right now for whatever reason. And Kendrick Bourne comes in and immediately makes a big play, which is what he did all of last year. So I think that Whatever's been going on with him, they're going to reevaluate that real quick this coming week, especially when you have, say, like Nelson Aguilar putting the ball on the ground right away. Uh, or rather, you know, in, at the end of the at the end of the game there, he puts the ball on the ground, kills any chance you could have and making a comeback. So I bet you that whether it's Nelson Aguilar seeding some snaps or somebody else giving up a few snaps, Kendrick Bourne is going to be playing a little bit more in week two and he's they're going to need him against a really tough Steelers defense because right now they don't have a whole lot of positives on offense. They need everyone they can get. Yeah, and it feels like too, Kyrie, with this team, and it looks a lot like the team we saw in the second half of last season where offensively it looked really difficult for them to generate easy opportunities for the quarterback and having a guy like Kendrick Bourne that separates easily, can do things after the catch. Like one of the bright spots today I thought was John U. Smith at the end of the game had some big plays, but it's those type of playmakers that this team needs. And You just look at the other side today, whenever they needed a big play, they were looking for mainly Tyreek Hill, but also Waddle and the Patriots. It seems like they have that guy, but they didn't want to use him. And I just look at this offense and it just felt like at times there was too much on Mac and it was almost, and I'm not defending everything Mac did today because I don't, I thought some of the balls he threw were poor in this game. One down the sideline to Aguilar, he just completely threw the ball out of bounds. I mean, you got to at least give your receiver an opportunity there, but man, this is one where And I know like Bill is there every day and the coaching staff is there every day and they're monitoring the player. But this has been a head scratcher for me all training camp long, all offseason long. I I just can't comprehend it. And maybe you're right. Maybe next week we're going to find out, hey, they're going to have to start to play Kendrick Bourne more because clearly they don't have a guy that Mac Jones can give the ball to and expect an explosive play after. Yeah. And you know what? I think that you would think that Nelson Aguilar can and should be a guy that could do that. And at one point early in the game, they hit him real quick and he busts out a first down. You're like, yes, get him the ball in space. They got the ball to John Smith in the flat and he's dragging tacklers, making plays. You're like, yes, more of that. Right. 
But it felt like so much of what they were trying to do was was be conservative and, and establish the run. And you know what? To to their credit, I think that by and large, they ran the ball better than I expected them to. And they did it with a mix of different plays. They were running out. Their outside zone game was more effective than you'd think. But then on some of those toss plays, Trent Brown's not able to get out there, whether it's because he's just not a good fit for plays like that or because it's hot out there and he's dog tired. You know, what, whatever it happens to be. Cole Strange is, is making, you know, having miscommunications and getting sat down in favor of James Ferentz. I mean, there, there are just so many things that that went wrong where you look at it and say, OK, how can you realistically expect Matt Joe, Matt Jones in the offense to have explosive plays when they're not getting the protection up front or, or the blocking up front that's needed? At the same time, I mean, I look at that wide receiver group and, and I see a lot of what I saw last year, not a lot of speed all things considered, not a lot of separation. And I mean, it, some of it is going to come down to, okay, how do you adjust from a play calling standpoint to scheme up more open players? Because I mean, if your guys aren't getting open, you, you better find a way to help get them open. Uh, so, so it'll be interesting to see how they adjust from that standpoint. But I mean, again, there was just, there were good flashes. I mean, it's not like there were, there was nothing good about this. There were good points and things to build on and you could, if, if you're looking at Bill Belichick here and, and saying, okay, well, he already warned you basically that this might be somewhat of an extension of the preseason. And, you know, yeah, there might be some kinks to iron out. Okay, fine. So maybe we're not pushing the panic button. But again, it, it went very quickly from, okay, there's some goodwill here to it just devolving right into what we expected it was going to be. Well, that's interesting too, the way you put it. Like, don't press the panic button yet. And Bill kind of alarmed us, said, hey, this is, Still, we're still getting ready for the season almost, which I've never heard Bill talk like that before. The, the extension of the preseason thing to me, when he made that comment, I was like, what is he talking about? This is Bill Belichick. He never talks like that. So that to me was just incredibly yeah. perplexing. And then the other thing that I looked like in, in this game, speaking of the panic button, he's telling us not to press it. But you have one of the things we were worried about entering the season was the offensive line issues because they had those in training camp. And you look at today, you reference, they bench Cole Strange after the miscommunication with him and Trent Brown. And the very next drive, when they put Ferentz out there, you don't pick up the blitzer on the outside. Well disguised by Miami, like give yes. them credit for that, Kyrie. But back-to-back -back drives, your offensive line costs you big time. Yep. And, and you could say maybe that's a little bit on Mac Jones as well, because I think there have been times where he would, you know, hold the snap count, hold the cadence a little bit and get a feel for, okay, this is what the coverage is going to be. This is where the pressure is coming from. And he didn't do it at all on that play. I mean, and so you wonder, okay, how much is that on him? How much is it on Brown? Because again, as you mentioned, the timing of that play was just very good. And he and it was covered up a little bit. He was kind of creeping behind one of the edge defenders there. It, it was well done. It was just well executed. And then uh, again, you have a situation where you had good plays, good stuff happening. And then that play and, and, uh, you know, the interception to Parker, just that derails, that derails your offensive performance. And that essentially puts you on the path to losing the game. And, and like that, that, that's basically it. And then of course there's the Waddle play, which I keep, I kept on warning people. Jalen Waddle had scored touchdowns in each of the games he played against the Patriots last year that he's a problem. You can't lose track of him. It's not that they lost track of him so much as he just, he just burned you, you know? And, and I mean, in the end, that's what's going to happen when you're, when you're devoting that much attention to Tyreek Hill and then boom, there it goes. I know I'm kind of digressing and talking about both offense and defense, but I mean, as you mentioned, right, it's just, 
those those execution things, right? You can have three and a half quarters of good play. And I'm not saying that's necessarily what happened here, but just hypothetically, you can have three and a half quarters of good play and then one or two plays ruins it for you. And, and that's what happened there. And the Patriots cannot afford, they do not have the, the overall talent to not execute and to give teams plays like what they did the Dolphins right there. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's interesting, too. Like you mentioned the Waddle play. I go back to what transpired before that, right? So it was interesting to me because you got a buck 17 left at the end of the half there after you had the Judon sack on second down, which is Judon showed up, which is nice to see because at the end of the season, he, of course, tailed off. I thought Judon played well today, but I didn't understand the Patriots had a timeout and you would have figured that, okay, let's use the timeout. And because I think if they use the timeout there, the Dolphins are much less likely to go for that fourth down play because there was only 18 seconds left in the half. And you heard at halftime, Mike McDaniel said his analytical department said that was a good move. That was the right play to make. And I'm just so perplexed why Belichick didn't call a timeout at the end of the half. From your perspective, was that like he didn't trust the offense or was he asleep at the wheel? What happened there? Well, well, for one thing, there was there was the injury to Adrian Phillips, right? So so he goes down and, there, and there's the long pause after that. And, and, and perhaps there you could say like, okay, if, if Belichick takes a timeout right there, maybe Mike McDaniel starts to, to you know, rethink it. Maybe he calls a different look. Maybe he, he doesn't run a play at all, you know, and, and they, and they try to kick a field goal or, or they, they punt. Well, they would have punted at that point because it was 41 yards out. Right. So I, I think that you, you could make that argument at the same time. You just, you got to make a play there. And, and I, and I think that, you know, you make that tackle Kyle Duggar had a shot at him. A couple of guys had, had a shot at him. You make that tackle and maybe no points happen at all. So again, it's, it's an, it's an execution thing. And, and again, I think they, they might've gotten points out of it, regardless, even if that tackle's made, because then you got a shot at a field goal with limited amount of time. And then, you know, the dolphins are you know, hurrying, trying to get on the field to kick a field goal or, or, or they're, or they're clocking it right there or something. But I, I feel like I'm not as peeved at the lack of timeout called as I think you just make the tackle, make the play that's there True. in front of you and, and force Miami to have to, to make a play after that, right? Make them decide if they're going to go for it, make them decide if they're going to kick a field goal and then, and, and they don't do it. And there you go. Then the game's basically over right there. Yeah. Yeah. And no, that's a good point. I just would have rather call the timeout, at least try to give my offense some confidence that, hey, look, we're going to try to go for this and try to score at the end of the half, because, of course, Miami was getting the ball to begin the second half to begin with. And obviously, Belichick decided not it's, to do it's that. Like the, the days of that of that old, you know, two for one seem <laughs> to be gone right now. It, oh, it, the like double up. I miss it. It, it's hard. It's hard to even think of it right now because you have no idea what this offense is. And I feel like the training wheels are still generally on the offense as a whole and that they are kind of slow playing it and playing it conservatively. Like, come on, how many how many second and long runs did we need today? Like, oh, I, my I just, God. I just it's the same like, thing as last year. Yeah. It, it, and you know what? And, and that's an interesting way to think about this. Right. Is that, OK, you can talk about how different it was from. Uh, you know, okay, Matt Patricia. I, I actually think there were some good play calls that happened, like like some legitimately good calls from from the offense that worked well. So I'm not going to sit up here and say like, oh my goodness, look at that Matt Patricia offense, like it sucked or whatever. 
But but again, I think that you look at the overall style of play, it was the same as when Josh McDaniels was here, and you can point to Bill Belichick as being the guy that's like, okay, I don't know if I really like going for it right here. Let's just try to get into the half. Let's not do anything crazy, right? And so if that's how it's going to be, you can talk about Matt Patricia all you want, but he's doing what he's told. Yeah, I actually thought the third and long where they set up Aguilar and there was a nice block by Hunter Henry there for the first down. I thought that was a nice play call for him. Overall, my one critique of Patricia would be they come out of the half that first drive there where they have the long touchdown drive. It felt like they made an effort to go more up tempo, get Mac in the gun a little bit more. And then the very next drive, they went away from that. And then you get to that third and three. And for some reason, you're running it up the gut with Montgomery. And I don't know what you're trying to do there if you're trying to like catch them off guard. But if you like actually old Brandon Bolden play. Yeah. But like, even if you were going to do that, you would think that you have two running backs that are more equipped to run that type of play than Montgomery. is. So I don't know if that's something Mac did at the line of scrimmage, but that to me, the third and three play was just, that was an absolute head scratcher to me. I have no idea why he decided to do that. And what did you think of the tempo thing? Because I felt like Mac had some success when they started to pick up the tempo a little bit. And it felt like during the preseason in that final game against the Raiders, when they went to the gun and they had a bunch of receivers out there, Mac was more successful then as well. And it felt like they didn't really play into his hands when it comes to that. And, and I think that that was probably very specifically about the opposing offense, right? Like you didn't want them to be on the field too much and, and, and potentially get gashed by Hill and Waddle and all of that. And there, there were times where, where the Dolphins looked a bit disjointed themselves, but there were also times where like, okay, Tua's getting the ball out against the Blitz and they're, they're getting free in the, in the running game you know, for, for the Dolphins, looks fine. I really think that that was it, that they were saying, okay, cool, that's great. We got, we got a touchdown here. Nice. Now, let, now let's go ahead and not give them the ball too fast, grind out some yards, um, make sure that we are the ones, you know, kind of holding the ball, you know, proverbially at the end here with, with a chance to win and, and, and kind of put some pressure on them to back off the passing game and maybe get into more of a, of a clock chewing mode or something like that. I, I think that it was too much thinking about what the Dolphins were doing offensively, wanting to keep them off the field and whatnot, and perhaps not enough thinking about what the Patriots needed to do to score, right? Because in the end, you have to score more points than the other team. And in order for you to do that, you need to get the ball in the end zone and not be worried about what the other team's offense is doing. I get it. They were running the ball decently at points there. Um, but I think all in all, this game needed to be won through the air. The Dolphins were daring them to win through the air. They, they were trying to make them do it, and they couldn't do it. Yeah, and it, that's a difficult thing to watch because you start to think about how much better is it really going to get or, over the course of the season from a passing game perspective. But the other thing, too, is like, Kyrie, I felt like there were moments in the game where Miami came up with the big play. You think about the sack fumble that turns into a touchdown for them. And I look on the flip side of that with the Patriots and you look at what happened there in terms of, OK, at the end of the half, Jack Jones can't make that interception. Tyree Kill dunks on him. And then later on in the game, and I get you're still down 20 to seven, but a ball's thrown right to Miles Bryant. And really, maybe if he doesn't touch that, Devin McCourty picks it off. Anyway, so it just felt like those critical plays that this Patriots team, we know this season, their defense is going to help them get the offense some good field position. The two real big opportunities they had today to make those plays, when Tua was trying to give the ball to you, they couldn't make the plays. Yep. And, and you know what? That's what happened last year as well. I mean, if we're, we're going to be honest about it, 
where Tua wasn't really, he hasn't been spectacular against the Patriots, right? He's got a 4 0 record against the Patriots or what have you. But it's not like he's played amazing football or anything like that. He really hasn't. And there were multiple times last year where, you know, Devin McCourty had two interceptions that were dropped, one in, one in each game that could have changed the outlook of those games. And then you have these plays not being made. And it was actually be, it was being discussed on, on the broadcast by Adam Archuleta, the color, the color analyst. He was saying, like, those are the kind of plays that you got to make when you're trying to get back in a game. And at that point, you make that play. Yeah, I mean, it's still a long shot, but you got a much better chance. Right. You get it. You get a takeaway. Maybe there's a momentum swing. You get the ball back one more time. You've got a shot. And, and, and again, it's the the Patriots are not a good enough team to overcome situations where you have a play that that, that you can that you, you can they can change the game. and You don't make it. They absolutely have to capitalize on every single opportunity that that comes their way, that is gifted to them by another team. And then on the flip side. Don't give extra downs to another team that that is that has more talent than you, right? So uh, again, right? What all all of the other you know outstanding issues from from a play calling, the strategy, and all of that, you have to make plays. And the Patriots simply did not make enough of them when there were plays to be made. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned two or two like the plays that the Patriots didn't make defensively. Kyrie, I don't know about you, man, but I came away from this game thinking he's worse than I thought he was. Like, I was never high on Tua, but I was not impressed with this guy whatsoever. I guess that's part of the infuriating thing from a Patriots perspective, losing this game today, is I know the numbers are going to look pretty good, but he had plenty of balls that the Patriots could have intercepted. We referenced a couple of those, and I felt like Tua should have been the main reason Miami lost this game. Not to say Mac was great on the other side. But I mean, the defense played well enough outside not making those big plays to give the offense more of an opportunity to win this game. So I feel like it's a huge missed opportunity. And I would put the bulk of this loss on the offense. I know I referenced some of the plays the defense didn't make, but the offense has got to be better than this flat out. I mean, today I I felt like that was somewhat of an embarrassing performance by them. Like, And I was so optimistic the way that the game started and they're going down the field. They had a couple of drives like that. The drive at the beginning of the third quarter there, it felt like, okay, they found something. And I don't know why they don't, Kyrie, at times, just spam stuff that works, right? When you find something that works, I, like during the Brady era, they would just do it over and over again until you prove you can stop it. And it felt like at times when the Patriots did find something, they went away from it, which is perplexing to me in and of itself. And you know what? I think that you could look at that and say maybe some of it is, okay, they're, they're just trying things and they're trying to figure out what works because they don't know, right? And, yeah. and, and, and you could, you could say like, okay, yeah, this play worked great one time. Okay. That that's cool. But you mentioned it during the Brady era, like, okay, we're just going to run this play until you stop it. Well, they, they've known probably that that play has, has worked forever. Right. And, and, and it's just, it's automatic, right? Brady's just like, okay, boom, boom, boom. I'm going to kill you. We've been doing this forever. We can do it in our sleep. I don't know what they could do in their sleep right now. I don't know if there is one play that the Patriots can run offensively in their sleep, so to speak, where they can just get five, six, 10 yards or whatever every time they run it. I don't think they've got that right now. I think they are trying to figure it out, which might explain again why, okay, like they're running some of these seemingly disjointed plays and, and disjointed drives where they're trying different things. Because honestly, what this offensive performance tells me is, okay, there, there were good points and good things to take out of it. 
but they still don't know what they can do effectively right now, consistently. That's the key. And I think it's going to be a process over these first four weeks. It's not going to get easier for this offense. I mean, they're about to play a Steelers team that was harassing Joe Burrow today, just absolutely all over him, right? And they're, and they're, they're also going to have to play a Ravens defense that's tough. They're going to play a Packers defense that, that is projected to be a top 10 defense. This is not going to get easier. So, I mean, whatever it is in, in practice or in games or whatever, I think they're going to have to have one just, just a come to Jesus moment, probably sometime next, next week where it's like, you know what? Okay, that worked well last drive. Let's just try and carry that momentum. Let's not try and get cute. Let's not act like we're doing install during training camp where, okay, this is great. Now we're going to go to this scripted next play. I think you got to start figuring out what the hell you can do. Yeah, and that's a really interesting point, Kyrie, because you look at the offense in general and really the team in general, and I'm just wondering where you think they're at in terms of like the vibes of this team, right? Because some of the stuff that has transpired over the past couple of weeks, we find out Mike Giardi has the report that Isaiah wins unhappy, or excuse me, Trent Brown's unhappy with his contract because he's getting paid like a right tackle. He wasn't told he was going to be a left tackle, right? Isaiah wins having issues. And then the whole Kendrick Bourne situation that we talked about a little bit earlier where he's unhappy right now. Where do you think this team is in terms of just the vibes as now after week one, but where they were entering the season? Because it didn't really feel like everybody was on the same page when it comes to that. Well, you talk about Trent Brown right there. You you had a couple of plays where, where he's just looking just ambling out into space, you know, trying, trying to you know, make a block out there. And again, may, maybe he's tired. Maybe he's gassed because it felt like a hundred degrees out there and it's humid and, and, and all this stuff, right? Maybe, maybe that's what we need to you know, take away from it. But man, like you, you heard, you know, the effort and practice hasn't been there for Trent Brown. Mike Reese reported that a couple of weeks ago, and that's why he was held out of the second preseason game. And, and that kind of stuff makes you think. Like, what the, is there something go? Is Trent Brown now going to be a problem? And for me, I, I would veer on the side of, I mean, I guess I would have a hard time believing that because he's played his best football here. I think there, there's an element of respect and expectation of what, what he's going to give you, what he, what he has done here. Right. And, and, and again, what has been expected, even though Dante Sparnecchia is not here to chew him out when it's needed. So I would like to think that maybe, this is this is an aberration from from Trent Brown's standpoint, but all in all, you talk about 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 the vibes, like like what this team feels like. It feels like a team that doesn't know what it is, and honestly, it's it feels like a team that doesn't know how it's going to win football games yet. I I projected that this was probably going to be a situation where they go one and three to start the year, kind of like last year. They might you know pull out a win uh, next week because I don't like Mitchell Trubisky. I don't like the Steelers' <laughs> offense. Um, but then maybe you start racking up some of these wins in the middle of the year, but then you see things like the Chicago bears uh, admitted in a slot fest, just beat the San Francisco 49ers, a team that has, you know, playoff aspirations. And then you're like, okay, can we not pencil that in as a win now? Like, absolutely. And again, I know it's week one, you don't want to overreact to things, but that was a team that figured out how to, how to grind out a win in less than ideal, you know, circumstances and situation. And then you've got this Patriots team that felt aimless in their less than ideal situation and circumstance. So I I feel like when it comes down to it, you know, execution, I've mentioned that a bunch of times. This is a team that just needs to learn how to 
figure it out. Okay. Things aren't always going to be perfect, right? This, this was never going to be an ideal situation going into this year without Josh McDaniels as your offensive coordinator and without going into it with, you know, these, these elite pieces that you feel like you need to be a Super Bowl contender. But that doesn't mean you can't win football games and you can't be competitive, right? The little things, little lapses, that's got to go. Just baseline, that's my main takeaway from today. Get that stuff cleaned up, and then we will talk about you winning football games. Yeah, and you know who else scares the crap out of me is Lamar. Playing for a contract right now. <laughs> right now, I, mean, I do not want to see that. Yeah, Wrath, I mean. it, wrath and, and hatred are coming to, to Gillette Stadium week three. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him play in person. I'm not looking forward to see what he's about to do to this Patriots defense. Yeah. And just one more thing, Kyrie, before we let you go, I thought it was interesting when you were talking about like they got to find things that work and the Isaiah win and the Trent Brown portion of the equation here. One thing that it makes me think of, and I brought this up before, is I just wonder on the offensive side of the ball if there's a leadership void, right? Because the type of crap that was happening in training camp, that's the stuff that not even just Brady, but like Edelman back, back in the day would be like, okay, that shit, we cannot be doing that. Like, we got to find a way to fix this stuff. And well, it just even feels, David Andrews, yeah. right? So it's like David Andrews is still here. What's the deal? Yeah, pick it up. I mean, come on. Somebody, somebody's going to take over. Somebody's going to be the leader of that offense. And I feel like there's a lot on a second-year quarterback to be that guy, but it's almost like Max, the most senior member of that offense, right? I mean, yeah. So it's like David Andrews was the guy pulling everybody aside and jumping on, you know, people when when practices were bad. But it's like, you know, Mac Jones is a captain now and he's the guy orchestrating the show. They're putting a lot of a lot of the game in his hands. At the same time, I think you bring up a good point. Is it too much for a second year quarterback to be in a situation where he has to run this entire operation and get everybody put everybody's feet to the fire? And you'll put his own foot up somebody's John Brown hind parts if they need it, right? <laughs> so, so I mean, I, I think that, and again, you could look at the the coaching as well, right? Maybe it's also a coaching thing, and they need to figure out whether or not Matt Patricia is, is going to be the guy who, who demands that from them and will get up in them that way. Because Josh McDaniels was. I mean, it wasn't just about play calls and schemes or whatever. When the offense wasn't getting it done, in, in training camp or in practice, you could hear Josh McDaniels all over the place. Okay. So yeah, I, I, I just flat out think that, you know, from, from so many perspectives, there has to be a come to Jesus moment on the offense. And I mean, the defense mostly did its job. So I'm looking at the offense mostly. We got to be better than yeah, that is Kyrie Thompson. Yeah, it's, it's a really good point, Kyrie, because I just wonder if Patricia has that sort of credibility that Josh does. Now, it would be one thing if Patricia was coaching the defense, but in the offense, I'm not so sure he has the credibility to be able to do that. So that's why I look at it, and it probably has to be a player. That's Kyrie Thompson, WEI, WEI.com, and the first in Foxborough podcast. Kyrie, hey, man, thanks so much for taking some time on game day. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Till next time. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like... Can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kids' education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. 
With the Power's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. All right, welcome back into Off the Pike after the difficult loss for the Patriots. Nice sorting through everything with Kyrie because there was a lot to unpack in that game. And of course, a lot going forward with this team is all the issues that we thought this team would have. It appears they had them in week one. So a couple of other things real quickly here. One of the things that sticks out to me, and especially thinking about it more after having the conversation with Kyrie, is it just feels like from an offensive perspective, there's not really an identity with this team right now, right? Because what they did last year was they ran the ball well. But at this particular point, after seeing what we saw today, does anybody think the running game is going to be better than it was a year ago? We know there's changes to the running game, but at first it looked like it was going to be really good today, right? First drive, they ran the ball well. Second drive, it appeared they were going to run the ball well. And you felt like, okay, your two backs are probably two of your most, two of the three most skilled players on this team from an offensive standpoint in terms of the weapons. And then you didn't really have a running game because, you know, what happened later on in the game is you were in a situation where essentially you're playing from behind. So they're saying, hey, Mac, it's time to beat us. And what we haven't seen from Mac Jones so far in his career is, does he have the ability to bring you back in a game? Because we've seen at times that Mac, when he's playing on schedule, he's really good. But again, what we saw today is, yeah, they had the one touchdown drive in the third quarter. But one of the issues with Mac last season was, when he was behind, he wasn't the same player, right? So you look at when trailing in 2021, he completed just 63.4% of his passes, 10 touchdowns, 10 picks, and 81.8 rating. So the number is completely dipped off. And look, that happens to a lot of quarterbacks, but that's the whole thing about the Patriots, for them to win games, they're going to have to do it on their own terms. And when you fall behind in the game like you did today, and you have issues in terms of the blocking up front, and you give away points to the Dolphins defense. This is the situation that the Patriots are going to find themselves in. And I look at some of the positives from today, like John U. Smith. We chatted with Kyrie about him. A couple of nice plays from him. You saw his ability after the catch. That's one of the best things he does. In fact, he led all tight ends and yak per reception last year. He's really good at that, but that was two catches, right? You saw, okay, maybe Devontae Parker can be somebody that helps you out, but is he somebody that you want a healthy diet of? Probably not because he's a contested catch guy. You want somebody that can do more after the catch. Jacoby Myers had a couple of nice plays, including the great catch down the sideline, but you're probably not going to be an efficient, good offense if you're relying on Jacoby Myers, who has a difficult time separating and doing anything after the catch. So we saw some positive things from this offense, but nothing steady where you can say, okay, yeah, this is what the Patriots are going to do the rest of the season. Even if you go back to last year, one of the things you could say about this Patriots team is the offensive line was elite. And the running game was going to be elite. So you were going to be able to run the ball efficiently and you're going to do it behind a good offensive line. This offensive line, what we saw after this game against the Dolphins or during this game against the Dolphins, it's just not as good as it was a season ago. And it's not like an indictment on Cole Strange, but Shaq Mason was one of the best guards of the NFL last season. He's no longer part of the equation. And some of the personal stuff with Isaiah Wynn and Trent Brown upset with the contract because he switched over to the left side. That stuff is obviously showing up with the team right now. And we saw it clearly today that this offensive line has massive issues. And you do wonder, too, Patricia's calling the plays and he's trying to coach up the offensive line. The offensive line had issues in the game, but he's also trying to be the play caller. It just feels like a lot is on Patricia's plate right now. And you wonder if that's something you really want 
going for. I did not mean for that to sound like a joke. I'm just saying there's a lot on his plate right now from an offensive play calling standpoint, offensive line standpoint. The other thing I want to mention today is something I feel like we kind of got used to at the end of the season last year, but it feels like we're going to get more of it this year where you get like CBS's or Fox's third, fourth, fifth, sixth team, whatever it is. Like today you had Greg Gumbel who went on that tirade this week against Sports Talk Radio, which was just ridiculous, where he called out the listeners too, essentially saying that the listeners need to be told how to think, which is just a ridiculous comment by Greg Gumbel in and of itself. But it's him and Adam Archuleta. And I mean, right off the bat, for a guy that goes on this rant against an industry earlier in the week, I mean, he was not particularly good today. On the first play of the game, the kickoff, he said, Ty Montgomery is back deep for Miami. Then on the first handoff of the game to Damian Harris, he called him Damian Myers. And then you have Adam Archuleta. I don't know what the fuck that guy is talking about really throughout the whole game. I have no idea why somebody thought that this would be a good guy to put on games. And I don't know the guy personally, obviously, but he was atrocious today. He brought up during the game, does relationship mean something to Mike McDaniel? The word relationship. Like, what the hell is this guy talking about? He's referencing the fact that he mentioned the word relationship during the conversation they had with him pregame. I mean, I, I don't give a shit about Mike McDaniel and what he thinks of the word relationship. And then throughout the whole game, basically for the first two and a half quarters, they're debating who the play caller is. When we know it's Patricia, Patricia's the guy with the play sheet in front of him. So we know Patricia's calling the plays and they keep referencing whoever is calling the plays. And then Greg Gumbel makes a comment later on in the game. I was just thinking about this. Does it even really matter who's calling the plays? Well, you've been debating it the whole game. Who the hell's calling the plays? Of course it matters. We've been talking about who's calling the plays for the whole offseason from a Patriots perspective. This has not even been just a story locally. It's been a story nationally. They're talking about it today on the NFL Network's pregame show. Who's calling the plays for the Patriots? You have a guy like Dan Orlovsky talking about this is his biggest concern in the NFL this season is who the play caller is for the Patriots. So for them to debate this for basically two and a half quarters, and then Greg Gumbel to say, does it matter? Well, of course it fucking matters. Why else were you talking about this for half the game? And why were you talking about leading up to the game that have to have been pretty much your whole entire conversation, what you guys were trying to figure out in terms of the Patriots offense? So yes, it matters. I mean, I just felt like that was a really bad job in terms of the broadcast from CBS. And the problem is, Based on the way the Patriots play today, they're going to have a lot of these games where they get C-level, D-level teams because they're not what they used to be in the Brady era, which it's something like as a Patriots fan, it was a new experience last year. And I guess we got a little bit of it in 2020, but you're used to having top tier teams because you're always playing in that 425 window in main games. Or even if you're in the one o'clock CBS window, you're getting at least the first or the second team, right? you're getting Nance or you're getting Kevin Harlan. And it just feels like now we even have a newer reality with the Patriots, not just that the team isn't at the same level that it was during the Brady era, but now we got to deal with the poor announcing teams at the bottom of the pecking order, so to speak, where, for these networks, which really, and I know this feels like you really shouldn't be complaining about this because the Patriots had 20 years of success and all that, but it is eye-opening watching these games and hearing these guys talk that it's clearly not the same level as the Nance of the Romos of the world, the Kevin Harlan's of the world, or the main guys on Fox, et cetera. So something I'm not looking forward to the rest of the season. All right, before we leave, we get time for one call. Hey, Brian, it's Matt from Boston. Um, to quote the great Tony Soprano, frankly, I'm depressed and ashamed. Um, you just knew 
from that first blown pass interference no call on the first drive how the day was going to go and uh just not feeling very good about this team they looked like a team that didn't have blue chippers that were poorly coached and just were not prepared for a big league football game uh yeah that's my week one overreaction thanks yeah, Matt, I'm with you, and I really don't think it's an overreaction to feel that way after the game because the blue chippers thing is definitely there. We saw it on the other side when they have an elite weapon and even Jalen Waddle at the end of the half. Do the Patriots have a receiver right now that could have done what Jalen Waddle did? And look, I understand it was misplayed, but do they have somebody that can take the ball 42 yards for a touchdown like that? I doubt it. And then you look at the fact that Tyree Kill had a monster afternoon for that team. And the other thing is, yeah, the pass interference call, that call sucked, and it was clearly a missed one by the officiating crew, but Mac Jones got to throw a better ball there. Bottom line, he's got to be better when it comes to that. And I was really optimistic, like this whole idea of going down to Miami early. I felt like it was a good move by the Patriots because first of all, the, the weather stuff and all that, I understand that, but just getting away from here because a lot of the talking points and the narratives here locally have been bad about this team. But what we found out today after this loss to Miami, a lot of them were true. Everything that we question about this team entering the season, it was all an issue today. The offensive line did not play particularly well. The receiving core was at issue in this game. You didn't have the big-time playmaker that we all know the Patriots currently don't have in the roster, although we'd like them to play Kendrick Bourne more, obviously. And then the other thing is, the play calling was okay at times, but third and three, you're running the ball up the gut with Ty Montgomery. How, how does that make sense? So all the questions we had, they're all there going forward with this team. All right, we'll be back with you on Tuesday. It's going to be a lot of fun because James White is going to join us. So we'll get into week one with the Patriots with James White. And also, he's got a really good idea of how this offense is different from where it was a season ago because, of course, he was with the Patriots during training camp before he decided to retire. So I'm interested to get his perspective on the whole process with the play calling situation because for his tenure with the Patriots, they always had Josh McDaniels with the team who was considered to be one of the best offensive coordinators in the league. So I want to get into that in terms of how different the process is right now. And remember, you can leave us a voicemail if you'd like. 617-396-7172. 617-396-7172. So if you do want to rant after this week one loss, we'll entertain those on Tuesday as well. All right. Thanks so much to Jesse Lopez and Steve Cerruti for producing this podcast. And we'll chat in a couple of days. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.